0: Amen. Um, with respect to the, the bicycle giveaway just before you go to Sunday school, um, we want to... I, I need every parent listening. We want to bless any child in this house who does not have a bicycle. So the it, we are doing... We are doing elementary grades, so if your child is in an elementary grade, I want to make sure, Pastor Daniel wants to make sure, Pastor Nelson wants to make sure, our wives, Pastor Louise, Pastor Brenda, and Pastor Runona, we all want to make sure that they are blessed as well. And I'll be honest with you, I do not know who does not have a bicycle and who does. So please let us know. I want to see, it says, when it says in Acts 1.8, the power shall come on upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, and he talks, and it starts here, and then it expands. And we are going to bless our community, but I want every child in here to know God's love for them. Amen? So please, let me know today. Okay, let me know today, and we want to bless your child one, two, three of them, it doesn't matter. Grades one to five, we want to bless them. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Children, you may be dismissed. Hallelujah. Something happened today in worship. Something happened today in worship. Justin, or Vanessa, would you mind? I don't want to get distracted and actually drink those ones. Something happened today in worship. Did anybody experience, simply, did somebody feel? And you say, well, we shouldn't feel. No, we do feel things. God gave us senses. God gave us spiritual senses. Did anybody recognize, feel an impression on you? Amen. Hallelujah. I want to reiterate the words, and before I get into my sermon, I want to give you some words because I believe God gave me something, and if he didn't, that's okay. I'm going to learn. But um, just one second here. If you're weary or tired, he renews your strength. <laughs> I've, I've experienced weariness. I've experienced tiredness. And I find sometimes in those moments, the last thing you feel like you should do is go to church, spend time praying, spend time in his word. I, I found it's been a battle at times when you get tired and weary. Quite often, it's a, it's a flight response, and instead of going to the house of God, we retract, we pull back, because I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. If you're weary, the best place and the best thing you can do is push into God. That's the best thing you can do. If you had a child, because just about all of you here are adult age and parenting material, if you had a child and they were struggling, what would you tell your child? You'd say, come. You would not say, just leave and deal with it. You'd say, come. And you'd say, as a parent, it's okay. I love you. I want to take care of you. I'm here to help you. So I want to encourage you. If you're weary and tired, he renews your strength. We had a song of the Lord. And the song of the Lord was, my heart's burning for you. There was something happening this morning in worship. The phrase that came to me was king of glory. I believe we sang that. And if you go to Psalm 24, it talks about who is this king of glory? And who can ascend into his place, he that has clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up his, his soul. And, and what he's talking about is entering into and experience the king of glory. Do you know what the glory is? The glory is the presence of God. The glory is the, the ability of God. The glory is the goodness of God. So, when we talk about the king of glory, we're talking about the king of goodness, the king of abilities, the king of pleasure, the king of satisfaction, the king of amazing presence. And that's who we were worshiping this morning. And Pastor Nelson shared on an overflow of favor. <laughs> overflow. Who here thinks they deserve the favor of God? You know, there's some things that I do that I don't deserve, but there's also things that I do that I position myself to stand and receive of His favor. And it's not something necessarily you do. It's who you are. I'm a child of God. And because of that, it's, it's not that I can boast in what I've done it's I boast in what he's done. And you can expect, as a child of God, to have an overflow of favor. It says in Deuteronomy, his blessings will actually overtake you. <laughs> can you imagine that, doing something, and all of a sudden his blessings just kind of like they start catching up to you, and, and you're running along in life, and all of a sudden you look behind you, and there's this blessing coming. And this blessing is coming and it's getting closer, and, and, and you might not even realize it. And in some ways, you take off and you run, you run, and you run, and his blessing just overtakes you. That's what you can expect. If we were with T.D. Jakes, he'd have the organ going, people would be jumping up and down, and he'd say, Let's take a five minute praise break. <laughs> I know we're in Canada. It's more than we could imagine. This morning as I was woke up an hour earlier than normal, boy, that was hard. I feel for you. Was, I, I like it when it's the other way around. It's like, whew. But as I was preparing, I had a couple words come to me. Um going in line with the the thoughts of discouragement, I felt there may be some people here that the word failure is what you have on your forehead. And and every time you try to do something, the word failure is there in your vision, in your thoughts, and in your minds. I'm here to tell you, you're not. A failure. You are not a failure. You are not a failure. You say, Well, I had a failed business. No, you've tried. You've tried. Well, I've had a failed marriage. That can be devastating. You know what? God still loves you, God still cares for you. You might say, Well, I've had failed business opportunities. No, you're not a failure. And those things can sometimes leave an imprint in us or in our heart. And I just felt this morning as I was preparing to tell you, you are not a failure. Look at somebody right now and say, I am not a failure. I had another funny thing happen to me this morning. And this is something I'm learning Um, But I felt a pain in my body, and it's not here now, it's gone. And I said, okay, Lord, if I, and I've told him, Lord, if if you give this to me, I'm going to just, I'm just going to go for it, because if I make a mistake, that's okay, you love me anyways. (laughs) There's a few of you that said amen. (laughs) But I had a pain right here on my left side. So if there's anybody here that has a pain, I believe you're healed. I believe you were actually healed in worship. You might not even recognize it because it may come and go. It may not be constant. But I believe you were healed in worship this morning. So, Lord, I just release that healing and the result and the understanding of or the awareness of that right now in your name. Amen. Amen. That was you. (laughs) How do you feel? You haven't checked it out. That's okay. You can check it out later. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) I've seen you run. No. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, amen, thank you, I'm learning to recognize God's voice, I'm learning to recognize His presence, and I appreciate you receiving, and, and it's not just me, I know many of you are recognizing and are saying, Lord, I'm available, use me, and then, and then what we need to do is we need to be ready to receive what He's going to say, I've had it twice now where I've had a pain go through my body that is not me. And so I've just stepped out and both times I've had positive results. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man. Feeling good is underrated. Feeling good, it's it's like feeling good, it's like, whoo, I feel good, you know. I know that I should now. Hallelujah. I'm not going to sing. Yes. Can you turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy? I'm going to take a few minutes this morning. Um, I believe God's given me a prophetic word. And I don't know if it's the whole sermon or if it's just parts of it. But I felt so impressed. Um, Yes, little fella. Oh man, he's distracting. That's okay, I love it. I love it. Um, I've been reading through the Bible from the translation called The Message. And uh, I've read King James, New King James, NIV, New American Standard, I've read many of those. But I wanted to take it from a whole different look. And uh, so I've started reading through the Bible, and I'm into Deuteronomy, and I had some, some things that just jumped out at me yesterday as I was reading. Um, if you could just go to the first chapter, and, and we got about seven or eight chapters, and I just want to pull out some verses. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you a few texts. I don't want to give you my ideas. I want to give you God's Word. We meet one day a week to worship God. That's also the time that I want to give you God's word. So Deuteronomy chapter 1, in verse 6. The Lord God said to us, the Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. That was the prophetic word that God gave me yesterday. You have stayed long enough at this mountain. We've been talking about territory for over a year. And I'm here to tell you it is time to take that territory. You've been staying at this mountain long enough. You've been staying here looking at it, vying for it, preparing for it, assessing it long enough. It's now time to go and take the promised land. You've been staying at this mountain too long. That's... uh, I only say what God tells me to say. I I can't expand it much more than that. But that word came and it just hit me... God has a funny way of just slapping me across the face sometimes. He goes, David. And that verse came up and goes, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. And I've got a few other verses that I want to share with you, and I want to confirm and affirm God's word. If you go back a couple verses, what's amazing is the children of Israel, the book of Deuteronomy is roughly a two-month period in Israel's history. It's, it's the last words that Moses has to the children of Israel. It's not like some of the other books that span a long timeline. The book of Deuteronomy is roughly a two-month period of Israel's history, and it's the last few words and, and testaments and, and instructions that Moses has to the children of Israel before he passes on. We call it Deuteronomy... The children of Israel referred to it as um, the book of words. I grew up thinking it was a book of do's and don'ts. I mean, the word do, you know, uh, do, Deuteronomy, do. and But it's not that. In fact, as I was reading this, my spirit came alive because God, what he's saying is he's giving them all these words and he's actually giving them words of remembrance of what God has done. And at first, I think it's the second verse. I, I laughed when I saw this. Um, I'll read it out of the other version because it it, it it just, it was funny. Verse 2, out of the mess or even an NLT, normally... It takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going way of Mounts here. But 40 years later. <laughs> have you felt like there's the promise, but I've been sitting here for 40 years? And that promise only takes you 2, three, four, 11 days to get to it. 11 days. Do you know how many days 40 years are? Over 14,000. I did the math. It's 14 over 14,000. Something that would take 11 days to get to, they spent 40 years. What was God's response to that? Verse 6. You've been around this mountain too long. It's time to go. Wow. I, I'd be so aggravated after 12 days. If you've seen me travel, let's get going. Let's hit the road. Pastor Nelson has to get his Tim Hortons coffee before we go because I don't like to stop on the way to get coffee. Coffee. We he w- we were yesterday we, we were working here in the church, and we went to pick something up. And on the way back, I said, "Hey, are you hungry?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "Okay, we'll go to Wendy's." We go there. And this is me. I get into the drive thru lane. This is Pastor Nelson. Oh, we're gonna go through the drive thru <laughs> uh, I don't know I've... Eleven days. Eleven days. Eleven days is how long it should have taken. Forty years. But how God looks at this, it blows my mind. He he goes He goes, You've been around here long, far too long. It's time to go. It took you You've been around here, you've been camping, you've been looking at this. Don't waste your days now saying it should have only taken me 11 days. Instead, capitalize on what God says and do it. Can you imagine how frustrated they would have been if they just said, well, we missed it, 11 days, 11 days, 11 days. Oh, and they would have made something. Instead of, listen to what God's saying. I don't care if you've been around that mountain for one year. I don't care if you've been around that mountain for 13 years. I don't care if you've been around that mountain for 40 years. God is saying it's time to leave there and to go. And don't sit back and now say, well, it should have only taken this long. No, that I just found that amazing and funny, but God's attitude was, it's time to take it. It's time to take it. I want to show you a few other verses because this book deals with getting ready to go into the promised land. It's not a book of do's and don'ts. It's a book of what God will do. It's a book where God is an affirming God. In uh, Chapter four. I'm gonna read this and I don't know which version, but it says God he this is a message that Moses is giving the children of Israel. Here he says, God, your God is above all a compassionate God. (laughs) Sorry, verse thirty one. Deuteronomy 4.31. God, your God, is above all a compassionate God. Some verses, I think, say loving kindness. In the end, He will not abandon you. This is what Moses is telling the children of Israel. He says, you're right at the precipice It's time to go in and take the land. Here's what I'm telling you. Your God is a God that, above everything else, He's compassionate. Above everything else, He's compassionate. He's a lover, He's loving, He's merciful. Above everything else that you might experience, above all the frustrations, above all the trying to get here, trying to get there, trying to do this, I want you to know above everything else, God's compassionate. If the first thing that you get and the only thing you get is the picture of the God that loves you and cares for you, that's what he wants you to know. He is, above everything else, compassionate. What did David say when Nathan gave him some choices? for his sins. And he said, you can either fall into the hands of your enemy, fall into, I believe it was the hands of the nation or the people, or fall into the hands of God. And he says, you know what? I'm going to go to God because he might just show me compassion. Wow. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what the mistakes might be. It doesn't matter what the failure might be may feel like it may not matter it does not matter what the discouragement is above everything else I want you to know God above all else is compassionate you start there don't start he does correct he does discipline just like you correct and discipline your child but every time you do it you're doing it out of love He said, so above everything, if if we get a picture of this and as we're getting ready to go into the promised land, let's keep in mind that picture. God is compassionate. Wow. Why do you think he can say in Hebrews 4 to enter his throne boldly in time of need? That's a God who's compassionate. A few other things I see in there, he's not going to abandon you. Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God will not abandon you. You say, Well, I've made a mess. You don't think he knows that? (laughs) We may not know it, he knows it. And he says, Above all else, I'm compassionate. It also says that he won't forget the covenant. And I think in one version it says for a thousand generations. God does not negotiate. God covenants. We think we should negotiate stuff. God says, no, this is what I'm going to do. He doesn't sit across the table and say, okay, what can you offer Oh, you bring that to the bargaining table. Ooh, OK, I like that. Um I'll give you this. No, it, for fear of bursting your bubbles, you didn't bring anything to the table. I brought nothing. And above all else, <laughs> he's compassionate. That's where he starts from. He'll never abandon you. Look at somebody and say he's not going to abandon me. Look at somebody and says he remembers his covenant. He's not forgetful. He is not forgetful. He remembers his covenant if you go now to deuteronomy 7 this is a this is stuff that moses is telling the people in about a one and a half two month maybe just over two month period of time Moses is rehearsing this to the children of Israel and letting them know you're getting ready to go into the promised land. And as you go in there, I want you to remember, above all else, God is compassionate. He's not going to abandon you. He doesn't forget you. He remembers his covenant. What words has God said to you? What prophetic words have been spoken to you from a prophet of God? Where are you on that? Have you kept that or have you thrown it away? Do not throw away words that God has given you. Frame them. Stick them in front of your eyesight. Figure out, say, Lord, this is what you say. Now I'm going to line myself up and I'm going to position myself so that I will do and experience what your word says. When God gives you a word, don't let it go. Hang on to it. How long did Abraham wait between the promise and the fulfillment? Like, 24 years. Man, alive, if I don't get a set of fries in three minutes, I'm upset. Yes. Hallelujah. We live. In a consumer-based society, God's kingdom is not consumer-based. God's kingdom is compassion-based. And it's his compassion extended towards us. We need to stop thinking about what do I get out of it and start saying, God, thank you for what you gave me. When we change and we accept and and, and appreciate what he has, what happens is it just causes us to want to do something. It causes me to want to share his love. It causes me to want to help somebody. Why? Because of the great love he showed me, I want to show someone else. Deuteronomy 7, 7 to 8. Again, I'm reading this from a different, I just like the way it read to me. So I'm not doing an exegetical study. I'm doing a modern language interpretation. God, verses 7 and 8. Deuteronomy 7, 7 and 8. God wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important. Oh, thank you very much, God. The fact is, there was almost nothing to you. He did it out of sheer love. Wow. Here it comes back to sheer love. I brought nothing to the table. And what's amazing is person after person after person in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you find out they're the least of this, they're the least of that. They're like, oh, I'm the youngest of this, oh, I'm, I'm an outcast of that. And yet God somehow in his amazing love wants to take those, and I think he has a whole lot of fun taking somebody that we think is rejected and takes them and elevates them to a place of, of power and authority. There's something amazing that God does. And he looks to the children of Israel and he says, I took you and I made you a nation. And it wasn't because of anything you did. You brought nothing to it. It was because of my love. It was my love. He did it out of sheer love. Keeping, oh, this got me. Keeping the promise he made to your ancestors. I have to think sometimes God will do things for you just because he promised. And even though these children of Israel for 40 years, when they could have taken 11 days, I mean that, (laughs) I wouldn't have lasted more than 14 days with them. I don't know how Moses did it. God said to him a few times, get out of my way and let me. And he said, no, God, you can't. Can you imagine having a conversation with God like that? You're giving me the option of, like, it's Father Moses, not Father Abraham. I'd, I'd probably say, can I pray about it? I'm just trying to be honest with you. Keeping the promise... He made to your ancestors. You know the God, the promises he made to your fathers, to your fathers, to your grandfathers, to your great-grandparents, to your uncles and aunts. He remembers that, and there's things that he will do just simply because he said, I'll do it. What did you do to deserve it? Nothing. I had no say in whose family I would be born into. Talk about favor. Talk about goodness of God. We've got this picture of God that is oftentimes connected to our relationship with people and how they've treated us, and therefore, if they treat us like that, and I had respect for them, how does God? We've got to get rid of that picture and start realizing he's a good God. Above all else, he starts with compassion. Quit basing your view of God based on some human person who has made a mistake, not even on purpose or even on purpose. Quit basing our thoughts and our ideas of God based on some human, fallible person. Base it on an infallible word of God. It's amazing how many times we process things. Well, God says it, yeah, but the last time somebody told me that, you know what happened? Have you ever told somebody a promise or something good, and they go, yeah, but? Yeah, that's God's word, but. And usually that but means, forget it. God's word, he says his word, and then he goes, yes, yeah, and amen, When, when God gives you a word, instead of saying, yeah, but, say, yes, and amen. amen. Try it out. Man, I thought I was going to be real quiet today. <laughs> mm. He chose us. This passage. He chose us. God, he says he keeps the promise he made to your ancestors. God stepped in and mightily brought you back out of what? Out of that world of slavery, freed you from the iron grip of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You want to see something amazing? Can you imagine the miracles? I mean, these are just weren't like just things that happened. These miracles of what God did. Can you imagine taking a rod and knocking a rock? And water comes out? Wow. He says, I brought you out. God has brought you out of things that used to have you in bondage. There were things that had you oppressed, things that had you tied up, things that caused you to lose sleep. There was things that Satan was barraging you with, and he was trying to make you feel like you weren't worthy. And God says, above all else, I'm love, I'm compassionate. You didn't bring anything, but let me choose you and pull you out. And he came and he chose you. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And so we serve a God that chooses us. We serve a God that, above all else, is compassionate. Number one, compassionate. We were nothing to him, but he keeps his promises. Wow. 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 Keeps his promises. Think about that. Has anybody here ever had somebody you love and respect not keep a promise? (sighs) And it hurts. I was going to get this, I was going to get that. And what happens is that hurt comes in. And now when I tell you God keeps his promises, you know what some of your first reaction is? Some of you, it's, yeah, but. But you don't understand. I don't need to understand. I understand this. And his word says he keeps his promises. My wife is healed. And I'm expecting miracles. I'm not expecting just a healing. I'm expecting a supernatural miracle. A miracle is something that defies the laws of nature. Miracle isn't something that you can just conjure up and say, well, yeah, I did it this way and it worked out that way. No, a miracle is something that, humanly speaking, is impossible. And that's what I'm asking, believing for, and speaking to. I am not satisfied. You should not be satisfied. We have so many young children here. My heart has gone out to these children lately. They need a covering of prayer like none, no other time before us. Each one of you here should be praying, not just for your grandchild or your child, but for someone else's. They are under attack physically, health wise, emotionally, spiritually. And you are the ones that will stand in the gap for them and hold them up so that God's promises, He won't, and and they will start to see. I want our children to be the healthiest children in Abbotsford and Chilliwack. And Squamish, wherever you're working, Andrew, your children will be the healthiest. I want our children to be the happiest. I want our children to be the best, well-adjusted kids around. I do not agree with putting a label on them what God has said, they're my child. Where did I get off on that? Oh, Lord, help me. Deuteronomy 7, 12, and 13. And this is what will happen. When you, on your part, will obey these directives, keeping and following them, God, on his part, will keep the covenant of loyal love that he made with your ancestors. He will love you. He will bless you. He will increase you. Man, if one isn't good enough, he gives you three. Three. He's going to love you, he's going to bless you, and he's going to increase you. This is what God says he will do. And what he says is, you obey. You obey my word. You cannot shortcut a blessing from God. The shortcut is the obedience. You can't can't say, well, I'm going to try to do it this way and see what. Do God's word. But when you do God's word, he says, there's going to be increase, there's going to be blessings, and there's going to be love. In fact, he says, I'm going to bless the babies from your womb. I just read that. He's going to bless the babies from your womb. We should have the healthiest, happiest, lovely, most beautiful babies should be out of solid rock come on, I serve a ridiculous God. Don't settle for second best when God's got the best for you and more. He says, and and I'm going to, the harvest of grain, new wine, and oil from your fields. He'll bless the calves from your herds and lambs from your flocks in the country. He promised your ancestors that he'd give you. God wants you to be blessed. not just you but everything around you everything around you that you have that you touch that is part of yours god wants you to be blessed your business your property do you know some of the revivals that happened the welsh revival people say they would actually come into the country of welsh or wales And they would experience some difference in the atmosphere because of the revival that was happening. I was watching and listening to somebody this last week who's been a historian with revivals. And he said ships would sail by and the people on the ship would get saved. Come on. I'm not... I don't want them just to walk through these doors and experience something. I want them to come to Abbotsford and say, Woo! What's going on here? Come on. I want Canada to be a country that is known, not just as a peacekeeping, but as a God-loving, and as a country that honors and respects God, and that the believers have made this country in an outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that people will come to Canada and just say, Wow! Let's not, man, we got to think beyond what we think. Man, if you don't think beyond what you think, you know what? Sometimes we don't even have faith. Because we think on what we think. The old yeah, but. Remember, whenever you see a but, you got to check what side you're on. Okay. Okay. I want you to see one other verse. Are you with me for three more minutes? Okay. Deuteronomy 10, 12 and 13. So now, Israel, what do you think God expects from you? This is what God's telling the children of Israel when you go into the promised land. And, and you've got to read these chapters. Because he describes the promised land. He says, you used to sow and reap. He says, you're going to go into that land and it's going to be reaping as you go in. He says, you're going to eat from the good of the land without planting anything. I believe in sowing and reaping, but I believe there's some aspect and some dimension in God that you actually reap when you haven't even sowed. And I believe in sowing and reaping, and I do it. But I also see something when you enter God's promises and the promised land, the place he has for you, that you actually will reap where you haven't sowed. Deal with that one. And he says, so, so as you get ready to go into this, this is what God expects from you. Just this. Live in his presence. Live. In his presence. Eh, That's why this morning I believe something happened in his presence. I believe his presence is here all the time. I know that. But there's also something amazing that happens in worship and coming before him that just like, it just magnifies, it just opens up his presence, his goodness, his ability, his his glory. And what he says is, is, guys, this is what you've got to do. If you see all these beautiful things that God has for you, I'm going to give you a few pointers. I'm not legalistic. I'm relationship. He says, live in his presence. Eh, live in his presence. Live in his presence. Hunger, thirst, run, don't sit back and say, let someone else do it, but go, God, I'm hungry for you. Lord, I need you more today than I did yesterday. Don't ever sit back and say, it's good enough, but go, Lord, I need you today because your mercies are new today. There's enough trouble today. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Today, I'm going to live in your presence. I'm going to take five minutes this morning, God, before I go to work, and I'm just going to talk with you. You can do it. You start living in his presence by living there one minute. And the next day, a minute and a half. And the next day, two minutes. And all of a sudden, you start realizing I'm thinking about him at lunchtime, I'm thinking about him at dinner. I'm sitting here, and something inside of me is just pulling me and saying, drawing me and saying, Go spend time with me. And I turn on worship music, and something just invades this place. It's because you're living in his presence, it's because you're hosting him, it's because you're making him welcome. And he comes and he just floods that. What does he say? He says, I've got all these things for you and I just want you to know, you want to experience them? Live in my presence. Follow the road he sets out for you. Love him. Mm, serve him. Serve God. Don't be a consumer. Be a distributor. Serve With everything you have, obey the commandments. And then he says, live a good life. This morning, God's presence was powerful. I'm here to tell you, you've been at this mountain long enough. There's something that's just like 11 days away. There's something that's so close. There's something that's right there. And I've got it for you. I've got it for you. And the key to that is living in His presence. The key to that It's just living in His presence. When you're in His presence, you love it. You have a hard time getting out of it. This morning, I believe God wants you to know you've been around this mountain long enough. You've been looking, you've been searching, you've been trying, you've been crying. And I'm here to tell you He's ready to take you in. He's ready to take you in. Will you stand with me? I want to pray over you.
1: As, uh, Pastor David was concluding, I just lifted my hands to heaven and I said, Lord, I enter into that promise that you have right now. And the Lord gave me a vision, and I think He wants me to share this. The vision is this I see finances falling out of heaven, not coins. thousands of $100 bills, 50s, 20s. God wants to shower his blessing that will take forth his kingdom. And he doesn't want us to stay in the place where we don't have enough to do what he asks us to do. But he wants us to move out of this out of this financial situation that we're in and move into his resources and his blessings.
0: Hey, man, if you could just hold your arms up. You can raise them high. You can keep them low. But put them in, a, in, in an attitude of surrender And an attitude to receive. And I want to just take 30 seconds just to let him come.